Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. These are words that many in the Christian faith pray every day. And what we are praying for is that the kingdom of God may be expanded from heaven to earth, that his will be done here just as it's done there. These words seem to leap out at me over this past week or so, triggered, I think, by events that had many looking to the heavens. You see, over the past couple of weeks, two billionaires who have funded the development of space planes that could open up tourism flights to the edge of space made their inaugural flights. Richard Branson was first and said of the flight that it was the experience of a lifetime. Branson and his two pilots and three employees returned to Earth just over an hour after leaving the ground. He also commented, I've had my notebook with me and I've written down 30 or 40 little things that will make the experience for the next person who goes up to space with us that much better. And it's been reported that so far about 600 people have paid his company, Virgin Galactic, deposits for tickets that will cost them up to £180,000 each, allowing them to experience five minutes of weightlessness. The second was Jeff Bezos. He called it the best day ever after landing back on Earth, having completed the 10 minute or so trip to space and back. One of his fellow passengers, 82 year old Wally Funk, told reporters that she wasn't able to see the whole Earth out the windows as she had hoped, but felt it was still a great experience. It's estimated that Bezos' company Blue Origin has approached about $100 million in private ticket sales already. Branson and Bezos are part of what could be classified as a modern commercial space race, which up to now has been dominated by Elon Musk's company SpaceX. Now, I'm not touting for business for them, and I'm not criticising their endeavours or entrepreneurial mindset. Many did that on social media. Nor am I decrying those who want to experience this kind of thing or commenting or ca on carbon footprints. Rather, I mention it because I was struck by how hard it was to find in all the reporting and quotes something that made me stop and marvel at any sense of awe they experienced. On the whole, it, it just seemed to be about personal experience and, and commerce. It seemed so unlike astronaut James Irwin, who, as he stood upon the moon's surface and looked at the Earth, said he was struck by its size and its beauty. He said, I was just amazed to see the Earth. It reminded me of a Christmas tree ornament, a very fragile one, hanging majestically in space. It was very touching to see the Earth from that perspective. During Irwin's time in space, he said he thought about the strife among nations of poverty, hunger and injustice. In the interviews he gave when he returned to Earth, he frequently spoke about how his experiences in space had made God more real to him than before. And he spent the last 20 years of his life as a goodwill ambassador for the Prince of Peace, stating that Jesus walking on the Earth is more important than man walking on the moon. 
thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The Lord's Prayer has shaped the lives of Jesus' followers ever since Jesus first taught it to his disciples. Rooted in Jesus' relationship to the Father, the prayer encompasses so much. Everything from highlighting our relationship to as children of God, inviting us to recognise the holiness of God, acknowledging his kingdom, recognising that our daily needs can be met through him, asking that we would be accepted and acceptable to him and reflecting that acceptance to others, striving to follow his way. In all this, we are praying for God's presence, not only in our own lives, but also in our world, in the here and now. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God was central to the teaching and mission of Jesus. It's mentioned dozens of times throughout the Gospels and the Book of Acts. But Matthew uses another expression, the kingdom of heaven. Partly because he was writing primarily to Jewish followers who had certain misgivings about saying the name of God. However, it's the same thing. But the concept is sometimes a hard one to understand. So when Jesus spoke of the kingdom, he told stories and used metaphors and similes in order to expand our understanding of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, how it should influence us and our relationship with our world. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And you would be wise to sell everything you own to buy that field, to get the treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who hired laborers to work in the fields. He hired them at different times of the day, but at the end of the day, he paid them all equally. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. From a small beginning comes a great tree. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast, it permeates all, silently and pervasively. As well as using parables, Jesus also said some other things about the kingdom. He said that a great reversal is coming. The tax collectors and the prostitutes, the outsiders, will enter the kingdom before the Pharisees, before the religious establishment. You see, when Jesus spoke of the kingdom, he spoke of an upside-down kingdom, a kingdom where we are to love our enemies, where if we love God, then we should love our neighbour, where we've to turn the other cheek. It's to be a kingdom where we go the extra mile, forgive as we have been forgiven. A kingdom where we have not to think ourselves better than others, but rather see others as equals. We are to live at peace with everyone and not take revenge. A kingdom where we don't just focus on ourselves, but be aware of others and bear each other's burdens, where whoever wants to be great needs to recognise that greatness is found in serving others. When Jesus spoke 
of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. He was not speaking of a reward that you receive after death. The point Jesus makes in his parables when he teaches is that the kingdom is something to be found now, something to be part of now. But turn on the news and there are times when you can almost smell the lingering acrid smell of explosives. Is this the kingdom of God? Is this the will of God? If we were to walk into the tent of a medical clinic in one of the poorer parts of our world and looked at the men, women and children there, I think we would be hard pushed not to ask the question, is this the kingdom of God? Is this the will of God? You lift the phone, you hear the news, it's not good. Is this the kingdom of God? Is this the will of God? We pray for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done, but all too often we hear the phrase, it was the will of God, as people attribute the atrocities, the violence, the heartache they encounter to God, as if it somehow reduces the pain or explains the events. But Jesus tells us that some things are not God's will. In Luke chapter 13, Jesus speaks on some recent tragic events of his day, the massacre by Roman authorities of a group of Galileans who had come to the temple in Jerusalem, and the Tower of Siloam, which had collapsed, crushing 18 people. And Jesus asks his disciples this question, were those who died worse than those whose lives were spared? No, Jesus said, but the thing to be aware of is we are all going to die. And so in a world of uncertainty, where freak accidents happen, where illness and disease strike indiscriminately, where people strike out at others, we all need to turn to God. Because only there will we find our true security. Only there, in a relationship with him, will we find true life. And that is the will of God, that we become part of his kingdom here and now. We live just as Jesus lived, in a world that seems all too full of injustice, conflict, retaliation. And when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are giving voice to our longing for God's kingdom of justice and equality, of peace and reconciliation. We want it to take root in our world. We pray for these things locally and globally, but sometimes we forget that we have a part to play, that we are called to act and work for these things. Jesus is teaching us not to settle for life on earth as we've recreated it, as something to be endured until we get to heaven. Praying for God's kingdom to be established and realised on earth challenges us to address these issues as Jesus' followers and disciples. We have to become bearers and bringers of justice and peace, of honesty and mercy, of healing and reconciliation. And when we play our part, we are giving others a glimpse of what the future will be in God's kingdom. To pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, while doing nothing to further God's love, forgiveness and justice in the world, is to deceive ourselves into thinking that we've done our bit if we've prayed the prayer. God's kingdom is here and now. It's something to be found now and be part of now. Because when we are, 
Then as kingdom people, under God's rule and in partnership with him, we help transform the world from what it is to what it should be, what it could be. If you find yourself looking to the heavens any time this week, remember Jesus has come. The kingdom is founded, but it's not yet what it shall be. And until he comes again, we continue to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. <laughs>